couple years ago, I was sitting down, uh, taking a break from my job at The Athletic Media Company, and uh, I was drinking a non-alcoholic beer from Athletic Brewing, and I thought, uh, hey, this this could be a partnership because I'm, I'm an ad wizard, and so I put those two things together, and took a couple years, but now I get to read ads for Athletic Brewing and uh, their non-alcoholic beers, and I'm excited about it. And I'm excited about it because I like the product. I like the product for a variety of different reasons. There are times where I'm uh, the designated driver, and that is, it's perfect for me. I don't feel like I'm, I'm missing out on a whole lot. There are also times where I'm not the designated driver, but it's going to be a long day of gabbing, and I don't necessarily need to have 10 IPAs in a row. So I will mix in an athletic, non-alcoholic beer, and I, I feel like I don't miss a beat, and it allows me to pace myself uh, the way I want to do it. It's perfect for beach days, music festivals, and baseball games, camping, late nights. Uh, they have a ton of different varieties. They have uh, light. They have upside uh, Don Golden. They have Run Wild IPA. They have a hazy IPA. They have summer seasonals. They've got a, a lemon Rattler ripe pursuit. I don't even know what a Rattler is, but now I want to try it. I feel bad that I haven't tried it. So this summer, ask for the only non-alcoholic beer you need to know, Athletic. Head to askforathletic.com to find it near you and use the code TA2024 to get 15% off your first online order. That's code TA2024 at checkout for 15% off. It's near beer, non-alcoholic beer, and it tastes Listen, I grew up with some funky ones. Uh, those didn't taste like beer. This tastes like this. This is good non-alcoholic beer. Uh, exclusions and conditions apply. Athletic Brewing Company, fit for all times. Hear that podcast growling, mean and angry. Hear that vocal shouting, it's Stanger and Jay. It's all right, welcome to the latest edition to hear that podcast. Growling, Paul here. Dave Morrison of The Athletic are here with you. And uh, excited to be here, Jay. Training camp is, we're in full swing. Had a full sweat going yesterday. Too much, too much sweat. Far too much sweat. Far too much sweat. And I noticed when I was in the shower this morning, I now have a flip-flop tan line from being out there in flip-flops so often. I, You know, the rest of the summer, you're on the beach or wherever you are. It's The shoes aren't on when you're out in the sun that much. Uh, standing there for two hours a day, I have I might have to wear tennis shoes for a couple of days and get that evened up. The flip-flop tan line. <laughs> There's really I mean, no fix in that. That's some that's some first world problems, you know what I mean? Like you could just you can just wear shoes. You're allowed to wear normal shoes, Jay. You don't have to go flip flops. That's just there. more sweat. I don't I, I'm not gonna get into this debate. I don't wanna I, I mean, look, I, I have thoughts, uh, but I'm not gonna get into this debate, but I'll just I'll just say I think if you go socks and shoes, you'll be surprised how easy it is. Uh thanks everybody that is um 
watching on YouTube. Good to have you guys here with us. If you have things that you want to say, any questions that you might want us to answer, we're going to do a little Q&A later on. Uh, you can drop those into the comments. If anybody sent us some on Twitter we called for earlier, uh, we'll do some Q&A later. We got a bunch of stuff we want to get to, though. Um, there's a lot of news. Joe Burrow is back. Uh, Alex Kappa is starting to work in more. Lael Collins is still out. Um, Trey Hendrickson talked about not being at OTAs. Uh, Evan McPherson is just a, some sort of robot. Uh, <laughs> I'm not totally sure um, how a ball gets kicked that far, but um, we have stadium renderings uh up now that's kind of like starting to surface about what the uh proposed stadium renovation could look like um so there's a lot of there's a lot of stuff going on uh that that we need to get to so we're gonna try if we can to tick through all of it um if you're up for that jay are you up for such things i am i definitely am okay uh, also, we've got conversations with uh, exclusive Q and A with uh, Von Bell. Uh, that that um, for a story that Jay is going to have coming up later this week. Uh, very excited about that, and I want to. Br- we're going to bring you some audio from Joe Mixon, uh, who spoke for the first time really since the Super Bowl. Um, on Friday, days are running together for me, but I yeah. think it was Friday. It was, and it was. Um, it was good. It was good. Uh, I think we'll, we'll go play a small clip here on YouTube, and those of you listening on the regular podcast will hear the full uh, interview um, with, with Joe Mixon. Very good stuff. We're going to get to all of that. Let's start with what we always start with, Jay. Nine. I mean, there's there's only one place to ever start, and that is uh, Mr. Appendectomy himself, Joe Burrow, um, who's back. He's in the building. <laughs> He's in the building after a weird. I'm not, here's the thing, Jay. There was a lot of weird mystery surrounding this that I, I it was making me leery a little bit. What, what's going on here? Like, on Saturday, Zach Taylor's talking to us, and someone asked if he talked to Joe, and he said, "Yeah, I've I talked to his and I've talked to his entire family." And it's like. What the hell you need to talk to his entire family for? What the hell's going on over there? You know, uh, giving him his space. It's I don't know. It, it, am I? Did you feel? Did you have a similar feeling of this feels a little weird uh, as I did, or am I just yet again making things up? Um. Yeah, it was a little weird because we've heard from so many players about. Yeah, I've texted with Joe. I've, I, you know, no, they, I don't think a lot of them are calling him and talking to him. And so maybe that's where Zach was coming from, where he didn't want to, he didn't want to bother Joe with an actual conversation. But clearly, Joe's been responsive and answering text and communicating with teammates. So it does seem odd that that Zach would go and when he, by he, what he says, entire family. I assume it's just mom and dad. Um, and and maybe they're here in town kind of help brothers maybe brothers involved yeah that could be as well um and just to you know kind of get an update on, on how he's feeling and and i i do from that respect it it does make sense that that zach would kind of re- respect joe's recovery and not want to bother him but does want the information um but yeah that it, it, it is odd that it wouldn't go <laughs> that he wouldn't go straight to the source especially when joe is uh, clearly communicating with a lot of his teammates. 
Yeah, and I just think the whole thing has been, a, there's just been a lot of not wanting to talk. And I get it. Like, the man had a surgery, whether we've mm-hmm. talked about minor or major. And and so that, to me, is the foundation of this conversation. Is It already kind of just felt a little weird. And then on Monday, he's back in the building. Yay, Joe Burrow's back in the building, right? Like, everybody's excited. And uh, he was kind of walking around the back alleys of the locker room trying to avoid, I assume, us. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) And and then shows up at practice. And he's originally on this, on the, like, small one-hitter scooter, um, like the little driving little one guy, one seat. Um, Mm -hmm. And then that wasn't really, I guess, what do you think, Jay? Not comfortable for him? He just wasn't liking it. He went back to the golf cart because he originally came out on a golf cart by you, right? Yeah, and it was it wasn't a, a a golf cart. It's like it was like that injury cart where there's two seats in front, and then he was yes. on the the back. And um, I do think w- when we saw him on the golf cart at practice, he was kind of leaned back and relaxed. And then when you saw him try to get on that that one man scooter, it's it's tighter. It kind of forces you to sit forward. It probably didn't feel comfortable. And I think that's why he got off of that pretty quickly. And then Joe Daneman had the video of him getting off of it and wincing. He, he clearly didn't feel comfortable. Um, but again, that's everything you talk to the, the, the doctor that does has done all these appendectomies that, that you are going to be sore for a week or so. And, and more likely it's going to be two weeks before you're back to doing anything. So it, it's jarring to see because he, how many shots did he take last year? And he just kind of brushed him off and got up. And then to see him that sore and that uncomfortable, it's just something that you're not used to seeing. But given what he's been through, it's it's not all that surprising either. But it is to me. I, I don't know. Oh, yeah? And I, I, this is not Paul Downer Jr. I, I'm not. <laughs> I'm not. I'm not trying to do this. I just. I don't. And maybe my expectations were wrong. But in having talked to doctors and having known lots of people who have had normal appendectomies done, I mean, we joked about it with Mo about how he won the Daner Cornhole Classic four days after <laughs> having an appendectomy and drank a million beers and was out. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. it, to me, my expectation was not necessarily that he would be back at practice um, five days later. It, it, it was that it wouldn't look like that. You know, that he wouldn't hardly be able to walk. You know, he was standing for small portions and then really couldn't do it. I mean, because he's standing there. He's got the earpiece in so he can hear the play calls that are coming in and kind of listen and watch what's going on. And in theory, you would think that he would want to be standing most of the time, and he just wasn't. I mean, he would go back to the cart and sit back down after a little while. And then the other side of this Jay is the is the the port that is still in him, which was what what are we calling what were we calling that? Uh, what was it? An intravenous catheter? Catheter, yes, yeah, it was still there. So again, it's just not what I think I was expecting to see, and you know, it feels like okay, uh, maybe we're just talking about they're just they're still giving him stuff and maybe he had infection maybe some maybe it burst before he went in there we, we don't know all, mm. all that stuff is oh here we go it's called a pick line all right thank you uh. see we you got these people i mean if the youtube comment says that's what it's called then of course that's what it's called <laughs> 
We've I have heard that before. So yes. yes. I, I, uh, but either way, you know, the, the point is this does not seem to have been pretty standard as uh, you know, you think of the, as was turned to me, you know, the bread and butter surgery that you do a million of, and they're in and mm-hmm. out that day and, and can do whatever they're comfortable with. That's all I'm saying. Does that mean anything in the long run? No. I mean, in the long run, I mean, I think it means he's going to be out of practice a little longer than maybe we originally anticipated. Because I don't see – it's hard to see how, uh, someone healing so quick that they go from looking kind of like he had looked um, yesterday to being like out there ripping it in a week. Mm-hmm. That that doesn't seem super realistic. Um, I don't think that there's concerns about you know getting near the regular season, but it does seem that this was not – the standard joking appendectomy that we kind of had fun with when it came out last week. Well, yeah. And here's the thing. T Higgins and Jamar chase both addressed this, how they, they didn't really know anything was wrong with Joe that he said it was a little stomach thing and, and maybe his toughness worked against him in that regard. Maybe he did wait too long to report it. I mean, I think all of us, guys are kind of like that not that i'm comparing us to, to joe burrow in any way but you you try to avoid the doctor you 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 try to avoid symptoms it's you just try to put it in the back of your mind and you wait till you absolutely have to get it addressed before you do anything about it and especially with a football player that's used to putting pain on the back burner and and playing through things and and maybe that did that maybe that's something that led to the infection and um as much as those guys talked about Joe and his toughness and, and kind of playing through it right before camp started when they were just out there throwing, you know, someone else told me that they walked in the lunchroom and they saw Burrow basically with his head in his hands, clearly in discomfort. And, and that, that was right about before he ended up going and getting looked at. So that could happen. You, you put it off too long and it gets worse and worse. And again, we don't know if it burst. We don't know if it was infected, but it makes sense with the timeline and with Joe's pain tolerance that you you just kind of push it aside and it gets worse as opposed to better before you actually get it treated. Yeah. So we'll continue to track this um, and see how long it takes. We just at this point now, we don't know how long it's going to be until we actually see him back. And, the, and then the other side is then you were if you start getting into the two, three four weeks away if you're talking about if he doesn't really get back to Hmm. practice till the end uh uh, toward the end of this month i mean you miss all of that ramp up time and that getting strong time um you know then then you start to see maybe that could linger into the beginning part of the season um i'm sure it's just another joe real interested in just putting another challenge that can build (laughs) his legend a little bit i'm sure at this point um but It'll be interesting to see how long this actually goes for so that he can get the proper amount of ramp ramp up that he probably wants in advance of the open. I mean, so September 11th, still a long time away. You know, we're still we're t- still talking about almost six weeks. OK, so it's a long time. You can still get he could be out three weeks and more and still get three full weeks of ramp up time to get out there and, and feel strong and start ripping it. But. Uh, yeah, it definitely has has thrown things for a loop and been a little bit uh, more serious than we probably originally anticipated. Good news, though, that he was in a joking mood at the end of practice, and, and maybe that's because that it was over. But he was 
he didn't leave early as much discomfort as he was in. We'll see today if, if he's, he's back out there for the entire practice. I assume he will be, you, you would have to think even if it's not going as well as he thought it would, that it's still getting better day by day. Um, but yeah, he was, he was zipping off, uh, with his quarterbacks in tow off the practice field and a PR rep tried to stop because someone had requested Brandon Allen and they said, you got a second. And Joe just said, Nope. And blew right by him. And, and that cart was moving pretty quick when they, he was, you could tell he was in a hurry yeah. to get out of there and he was not going to stop that cart. Cause there's, there's all, they, it was right where all the media is. So that w- if he stopped to let Brandon off, there's a good chance he would have been approached. And y- y- like you said, in the locker room, he's, he's, he's not exactly looking to do interviews right now. At some point we'll probably see him up on the podium when he's feeling better, but uh, nothing imminent right now. Nothing imminently scheduled for a Joe Burrow presser. No, or, or any sort of, we've had like five major national people already come through uh, who typically, you know, history, you know, they, they will come in and usually try to, or get an interview with, with Joe for some amount of time Peter King, Kevin Clark from the ringer, uh, both here, Albert Breer was here over the weekend, Ian Rappaport. I mean, all of them have kind of been, there's been a long line of, of these national people that are looking to talk to Joe there. And as far as I know, nobody has gotten anything and he has un, he is uninterested in addressing anything here. Uh, with that stuff. So that's kind of where that stands. We don't want to spend the whole time on this sort of speculation of Burrow, but it's important to address what things have looked like and kind of where it all stands. I've got a story up on uh, Joe Burrow and his future. What does year three look like? Uh, what does the long haul look like? And what's the difference between those that, you know, Joe had one of the best second seasons really we've seen in the last 30 years. There's only eight players that had an adjusted net yards per attempt plus better than 115 in their second season in the last 30 years. And the name is a lot of big, big names you might know. Um, the third season always ends up being very good, very much the same. And then you see it go in different directions. Um, the golf, there's Goff and Wentz are on there, and you say, okay, well, how, how did? What's the difference between Goff and Wentz and Mahomes and Manning, right? I mean, mm-hmm. so you you where it ends up being sustained. So the story's up. It's uh, digging into all of that stuff and talking with a number of people about what maybe makes them believe that Burrow will be the sustainer. Um, and it's a lot of the same stuff that you might imagine, uh, but really, it's about. It's about the mindset. It's about the guys that sustain, the guys that can handle it, that can win different ways, that understand the drive of it you need every year and the urgency of every year. They're just wired differently, you know? And and, and that ends up being the difference between those because there's plenty of good players that have good seasons and then go away. Hmm. And then something happens or they're average. Um the sustainers are the ones that kind of have the rare stuff. So a lot of digging into that in that story. If you want to go take a look and get more Burrow. I know you all can't get enough Burrow <laughs> in your life. All right, let's take a second and switch gears here and hear from a sponsor. Hey, this is Andrew Schlecht from The Athletic. The NBA Finals begins on June 6th, and we have you covered at The Athletic NBA Show. Join us Monday through Friday to hear voices like Zach Harper, David Aldridge, Marcus Thompson, Dave DeFore, Sam Amick, and many more. We will have instant reaction shows after every finals game, plus podcasts to take you behind the scenes in between games. Listen to The Athletic NBA Show wherever you get your podcasts. 
All right, Jay, let's um let's move on to talking a little bit about Joe Mixon and the running back room really as a whole, which is kind of an interesting group right now. Um, you know, we were starting to see a little bit more of them and uh big day today as pads come on for the first time um for more than a couple people in that group. Um and so what I want to start here though was we caught up with Joe Mixon. This is this is it. So Joe he was been uninterested in talking. Like he's just he's not he's not not been interested in talking to anybody. And the only time he actually spoke to any reporter over the course of the entire offseason, remember we had open locker rooms during all of OTAs. Uh, so I think I don't know how many there were. Was there five or six Jay open locker rooms we had? And he was around, uh, but he just he would always kind of blow it off and be like, I don't wanna I don't wanna talk. And I'd even be like, Can we just talk about what it's like to throw up? Touchdown pass, the Super Bowl is running back. Like that sounds like a fun, and he was just not really feeling any of it, you know. Uh, I he did a camp in uh, in the Bay, uh, went back home, and I think a local reporter, Charlie Walter, strongman of Moeller, that's right, is who it was, who works out there now. Uh, talked to Joe, and he spoke there, and that's. But outside of that, that's been it. And he did a small little thing the day before Friday. Uh, after he denied a big group of reporters and ended up catching up with Jeremy Rao, our boy from Fox 19, um, in front of the program, and in the hallway, and, and then, then the next day, after he did what he's been doing every day, which is staying out, the last man out, signing a million autographs hmm. and taking pictures. I mean, he's been doing that every single day. I'm walking out, and there's Joe. And he has turn to I there was maybe one maybe two TV people who he had agreed to start talking to so I walked over and was like oh great Joe's going and uh they they quickly wrapped up and and I hopped in and then a little bit later Kelsey Conway from the Inquirer came and joined and uh we talked to Joe for about I don't know eight ten minutes um, if you're listening to this on the podcast, uh, we're going to give you a full bit of the interview once uh, kind of we took it over. And uh, if you're listening on YouTube, here's uh, here's Joe Mixon addressing Kelsey's question about that play from the Super Bowl. <laughs> you probably can't know for sure until you see it, but how can the line, the run blocking look different for you this year? Do you have that vision in your head of what that can look like? I mean, obviously... Uh gaping holes I mean I, I didn't I didn't been there to where you know a lot of teams you know I didn't see where a lot of teams then had gaping holes like that but at the same time we're gonna see we're gonna uh, I definitely look forward to you know adding three new key additions and um, just obviously the, the numbers that I didn't put up before um, I just only hope to crush those numbers out the you know out the water so I mean at the end of the day everybody got their own personal goals but to be real I mean touching that Super Bowl again and obviously finishing the job and just getting the ring. How closely did you watch during free agency? Because it happened so fast. Yeah. Were you like on the horn? Were you yeah. in the mix? Were you calling? Yeah, for sure. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, expect, like definitely with Lyle, I was definitely um, in the mix. You know, with my agent telling him, I don't give a damn who call. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> getting him to Cincinnati I don't, under any circumstance possible. So we made that happen and, uh, you know, we added Alex Kappa and Ted Harris and then was three hell of a additions, man. I mean, I come out here and, you know, just to hear your center and your guard and tackles, you know, them boys talking about they trying to lead me to 2000. I mean, that's a great thing to hear. You know what I'm saying? Whether I get it, whether I don't. I mean, just to, 
just to know them guys are very adamant on making us, you know, kill those career rushing records and doing certain things and being special, having a special group. Um, that's a great thing for me. That's obviously what we want to hear. Is that a goal for you? Is that something you think about, the idea of 2,000? Or are there numbers that are in your head still? I mean, you've, you've put up a lot of good ones. Yeah, definitely. I mean, at the end of the day, man, my thing is just to get better each and every year. You know what I'm saying? And that's really what's been happening. And I'm definitely starting to feel like I'm starting to scratch that surface. And with the people that we didn't add it, I mean, I just – like I said, sky's the limit. So, I mean, I definitely look forward to it. And, um, you know, definitely great things to happen. You know, Joe, you're, you're young, mm -hmm. right? You're young, but the, you're at running back years, yeah. this is when people start to wonder. Yeah, do, you, for sure. do you hear that? Do you think about that when people are going to wonder, you know, if you, when you're going to start to hit the, the older running back yeah. age? I mean, I don't know if y'all realize, but to be real, I'm only 26. I just turned 26 Yeah. last week. You yeah. know what I'm saying? So. I'm 26, this is year six. A lot of guys that's in year six, most of them guys is touching 30 years old or 29. I'm three years behind that. So at the end of the day, I know I at least got four more prime years in me to where it's going to be up here. So I'm not really worried about none of that. You know what I'm saying? I just come out here, take care of my job, do what I got to do, uh, keep taking care of my body for number one. And then number two, coming out here, make plays and being the best teammate. I mean, that's just, I've always been that and I'm always forever going to be that. And then when that day stops, is the day I stop playing football. I'll tell you that now. What have you learned has been the key to you being able to stay as fresh as you have, putting the amount of miles on your body? Um, well, really, I don't know if you guys really noticed, um, but I think the coaches take damn good care of me um, in terms of leading up into season and then even when we are in season. I know the load that I have to manage, you know, throughout week and week out with this being my sixth season. I know what works. I know what don't work. I know where my, you know, my weight needs to be. I know where, um, what type of physical work that I need to get in between running up and down the line. So, um, you know, we have what five, about six running backs in our room right now, and everybody gets reps. So, um, I think it's a it's a great rotation that we have and. Um, like I said, the coaches do a damn good job by managing my load, and when it's time to go, I'm ready to go because I can handle it. Um, then when I'm tired or I need a breather, you got P. Ryan, you got Chris, Travion, you got or you had Holyfield, he just went down, but you got the rookie Young Buck, and then also Travion Williams. You know what I'm saying? So it's a it's a damn good group, and obviously Jock just got back, so it's a it's a great thing to see with what we got going on. There was a lot made after the Super Bowl of you not being in towards the end of the game. You just have to ask that question, huh? I did. Sorry. You have to, to be you, huh? Yep. Mm -hmm. um, <laughs> obviously, you're, you've moved on, but have yeah. to ask, how did you process that? Did you think you should have been on the field? What were your thoughts on it? I mean, at the end of the day, um, like I said, who, who was out there at the end of the day, whoever's out there, I have no doubt in my mind that they should make the play. You know what I'm saying? Coach got caught up in, you know, running two minute and, you know, through the playoffs he had me in two minutes. So, I mean, it was just a, you know, caught up in the moment thing. I really should have took initiative on myself and just been like, you know what? Hey, I'm coming in. Like, but, you know, it was the heat of the moment. You know what I'm saying? Third down, third and one. Obviously, I want to go run in, but when we go in no huddle, we got to hurry up and keep it going. So, um, you know, like I said, it sucks. Obviously, I know I would have been able to help and, you know, do whatever to get that one yard, but it's over with. It's last year, and, you know, obviously, we in 2022, so we trying to go ahead and do whatever we can to repeat, get back in that same situation, 
And when we are in that situation, you damn sure know I'll be in. Do you, do you get motivated differently from this, the, losing the Super Bowl? I know burns you. You, you find you guys always find different things to be motivated by. Yeah, is that something sure. that, that motivates you differently or has it motivated you? Well, well to be real, that's the standard. Yeah. That's the standard that's the standard around here. Everybody's looking forward to obviously getting back to that point. Um, but at the end of the day, man, it starts week one with Pittsburgh. Um, everybody, you know, very excited and eager to obviously look at the end goal, but nobody looks at the process and going in. So my thing is, you know, like I said, I, I didn't been on four losing teams, struggling for years and years, but I would also been on a winning team where we was in a Super Bowl. And by me being on them teams, I know what the standard is and I know what to expect going into these here, you know, moments. So at the same time, like I told y'all, like we've been there before, we know how to get there and we know what it's going to take now. Everybody's got to be bought in to, you know, putting their all in doing that and getting there. So, like I said. <laughs> you damn sure know I'll be in. I mean, I thought the end was really the whole point. You know, I mean, outside of as hilarious it would have been for Mixon just to check himself in on third and one and the two-minute drive in the Super Bowl and just said, no, I'm going in, right? Like, I, as funny as that would have been, which is a total pipe dream. Um, you know, it it ends... It ends with, with what I think was his point of the entire monologue. Next time, you better be damn sure I'm in there. Okay? And, and I thought this has been an interesting discussion because a lot has been talked about about Mixon and third downs and two minute. And, and it, you know, he, he said that he's been in in two minute. In the playoffs, he was not. No. Um, and, 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 he, and he wasn't really from about the middle of the season on. Um, they just kind of bailed on that dream i'm not going to call it a dream hope that that he would be could be the kind of like third down back it just it just wasn't quite happening and you know i i i just think that this is a this is a guy who had a very emotional situation i thought it was interesting that zach taylor really complimented the way that joe has handled it and that they've had conversations about it and that he he has been so great in that it could have been something he could be bitter and really angry about, but he hasn't been. He's been emotional, and he ha- loves that he has an emotion and passion and opinion about it. Um, he would expect him to. Um, but it does seem in what could be a very divisive situation, you know, he's come out saying, you better be damn sure I'll be in there next time. But also, you know, Zach Taylor has been comfortable with he still continued to be a great guy for the team, and it's been good conversation for them to have about why it happened and how it happened. Yeah, and I, it, knowing how Joe feels about it, still, I, I, the, I want to say the team's really lucky that that the the situation was what it was last year, where they got to handpick who they sent out to talk to the media. If that was a normal post game Super Bowl situation where you could get anybody i think joe might have said some things that he would regret and i don't think it would have been irreparable damage that but even that just saying coach i didn't like what he said coach got caught up in running two minutes it it just doesn't it's not a good it doesn't sound good to to, it it's not a pointed criticism but it is it's not what you want a player to say about a coach and you and i were talking about this yesterday where you know, if you want truth, there's the guy you go to the locker room is TB Tyler Boyd. Uh, <laughs> Joe Mixon's right behind that. Yeah, I mean, true. he he doesn't talk, but when he does, whatever he's thinking comes out. 
And so, and I think that was, that was a big reason why he hasn't spoken to the media because he knew he might say something he would regret. He knew he would be pressed on that. And, um, kudos to, to both Joe and Kelsey there, because he had earlier in the conversation you guys had, he had said, I'm only going to say this once. I'm only going to address this once. Kelsey wasn't there. Or he said, I'm only going to talk about the Super Bowl once. And Kelsey wasn't there. So then when Kelsey showed up, she asked and he went ahead and answered it again and gave this great answer. Um, so I, I do, I, I understand all sides of it. You can't, when you're running two minute, you're going to make it totally obvious if you bring him off, especially when he hasn't been in, in two minute, it's like, Oh, third and one, we know what's coming here. Um, but yes, it's you, you do feel if Mixon was on the the field that, that there was two, uh, third and one, fourth and one in that game that, that P Ryan did not convert. And, and Mixon probably gets those, but it's just, it's, we don't know that. Yeah, don't, you don't. They ran an Aaron but, Donald. Was it because they gave it to Pirine or because they ran an Aaron Donald? You know? I mean, yeah. is Joe Mixon getting away from Aaron Donald? I don't know. Maybe. Maybe he's making a cut. I, we don't know that. I just don't think – I don't know how fair that is. It, would you like to have seen that? Yeah, probably. Yeah. I, I don't want to relitigate the Super Bowl <laughs> yeah. here. Like, we're here with this. We're to talk, there's a lot to get to about the new season. But, you know – P. Ryan was in there because he was a far better pass blocker and they needed that and he was more reliable out of the backfield and and just they were more comfortable with him in that way. Um, and it was third and one. They were trying to just go sneak a quick one in and the thought was if, if you make a big deal out of subbing Joe Mixon in, it kind of yeah. shows your hand. Oh, they're bringing in Joe Mixon on third one, so it looks like they may run it, and you can see a different package. Inevitably, maybe that doesn't matter, and in hindsight, they probably should have done it. Um, it was, you know, it's a three-second decision because uh, mm. they end up in that spot before. But again, I don't want to relitigate the Super Bowl. The point is that you know Joe, I think, enters in a pretty good place. I find interesting because I don't think that there's much thought that he's going to be a third down back. That 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 ship does seem to have sailed. Um, there'll be situations he'll be in in third down, but for the most part, you know, they want to have a separation there of guys that are kind of more your pass down third back, third down back. Now I'm currently writing a story on Chris Evans, who I think has one of the biggest opportunities of anybody on the team in the preseason because his opportunities were limited last year, Jay. I mean, mm-hmm. he, he, he just didn't have a lot of run, um, because everybody stayed healthy. And we talked about him as a potential breakout guy. And this preseason for him to go out, show himself in pass protection, you know what he is as a receiver. You've seen what he is with the ball in his hand. Is a real chance. And I asked Zach Taylor directly yesterday, is Chris Evans have a chance to be that number two, third down back? Or is that P. Ryan's job? And he essentially said, I mean – we like what Samaje does in that role, but that's kind of what the preseason is for. It guys can emerge, and there's a real opportunity for Chris Evans to show himself as a pass protector, be consistent, be in the right place, get enough of a piece of these guys to show that he can hold up. If he does that, I, I, you know, I, I think he could, he could take that job down. Yeah, because I mean, you think back to to last year, Burrow's coming off of the the ACL, 
the last thing you want is a, a rookie in there who, who didn't get a lot of snaps at Michigan. I mean, that's, it, that, that's why the first mix in, then P Ryan, it, it was as electric as, as Chris can be with the ball in his hands and incredible receiver. I mean, he, he catches the ball more like a wide receiver than he does a running back. That's why he didn't get as much run because you just can't trust a young guy in that position, especially with a quarterback coming off a serious injury who's getting hit all the time anyhow. So that's what we'll see. And maybe starting today when the pads go on and, and you, you see more real football and see what he can do back there in pass pro. Um, that's going to be a big part of it. I still think he's going to be in the mix. I, I maybe even the front runner to be the kick returner. And then we saw him yesterday working on kick coverage. He's going to have roles on special team. You, Samaje did. Samaje played a yeah, lot on him. special teams. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that if you're that number two back, you're, you're still going to be involved in special teams. But that's what it's going to come down to is, is can they trust him as a pass blocker um, and, and, and get him in more often as that third down back and be your RB2? Um, I think. I would like to see it. I, I, I think he, he brings more explosion to the offense than Samaje does, but it's it's an offense that's not really hurting for explosive pieces. So that kind of plays into it too, where, you know, maybe Samaje is just more the steady rock back there and and you don't you don't need to have Chris Evans in there all the time. But when he's in there, he he can definitely be a difference maker. We saw it in the Detroit game. He caught that touchdown pass and he really picked up the kick return part of it pretty quickly when they, when they went to him in the playoffs. Um, so it's, it's going to be interesting to watch. He's, he's going to have a big role on this team. It's just a matter of when, where. I'm really interested. So on Saturday's practice in the stadium, 28,000 people. I mean, <laughs> it was a big, it was a big crowd. Um, makes him kind of, he, he, did a lot of catching the ball. He had an incredible one-handed catch over the shoulder against Trey Flowers. We've seen him catch the ball well. You know, I wonder if days like that make them sit back and rethink things a little bit. Maybe we can get him in there more. Probably not. I do think that – I don't want to say the trust was broken, but I do think they just kind of moved on from it last year. Um, but – I mean, days like that do remind you that you can always put Mixon in there and still get some explosion uh, in in the passing mm. game. I just I think it's just more about a trust level, and in, in that there's just too many breaches of that um, in, in that role for whatever for whatever reason. But I do think. I mean, I also do think. I mean, you heard and you listen to the podcast. I mean, I think Mixon's kind of a huge year running the ball. Mm. I, I think I think this line sets up well for him. I, you know, he's still. You know, he was talking about you know I'm you know I'm 26, right? But uh, he has a he's an old 26, and I mean that because he's had a lot of carries. I mean, he's year six. He's been a heavy usage back. He takes some pounding. He delivers pounding. Um, and and I asked that question about longevity because year six, man, that's when people start wondering about running backs. Year six, year seven, you don't see a lot of year seven, year eights that continue to be great. As it gets rare at that point. Um, not saying that there's a cliff waiting for Joe Mixon. I think he's a pretty unique athlete. Um, he's probably one of the strongest athletic dudes I think I've ever come across. Um, but 
it is there is a long, long history there. And, you know, he's, he's I got four more prime years of me up here. And he's like, way up here, way up here. Okay. And I, don't, I expect nothing less from Joe to say that. Uh, but, you know, I do think there's, there's a proving ground for you every year now at that age to prove yourself, to, to prove that you still got it, to prove that there's no cliff. And, and I think that will be a, a part of the case for him this year. That said, all right, here we had a run past our boot from Hit It Straight. Uh, on Twitter that I want to drop in here. Uh, rushing attempts this season, who will have more? Joe Burrow, Samaj P. Ryan, Chris Evans, who will have the most? Jay. Because I think I, I'm just really interested to see how this backup job goes behind Mixon. Yeah, I am too. Um, I just, I think I'll go P. Ryan just because you, you expect the line to be better. So you, you they're not going to be running Joe by design a whole lot. So you don't think he's going to be running for his life as much this year as he was last year. As dynamic as Chris Evans is, he's he he just doesn't strike you as a between the tackles or you know even getting outside on on around around the end runs. I just I don't see it as much. I think his role will be as a third down guy picking up blitzes or catching passes. So I I, I will run with I'll run with P Ryan. Um, I'll pass. I'll pass with Burrow just because it is the nature of of the position where you are going to get out and scramble, and, and I'll boot Chris Evans. And I, I kind of going back to what you were saying before that 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 the the Joe Mixon thing with being a yes, he's only twenty six, but the pounding he's taken that all it's not all about the trust factor. The the load management part plays a big role in that too because you don't want him standing in there picking up blitzing linebackers over and over again on third down and taking shots like that he takes enough shots running the ball it's not you're not worried about so much the the career ramifications but they how many times did they talk last year about how worn out they were longest season in NFL history and if that's their plan to go the distance every year you want Joe Mixon fresh in the playoffs or as fresh as a, a running back can be in December leading up to the playoffs and in the playoffs. And I think it's just all part of that it goes into that equation where it's it's not just the trust. It's let's let's not make him take a pounding over and over again and either one, get injured or two, be worn down when you get into the most important games of the year. Yeah. Um, you know, Pirine averaged 4.5 yards per carry. Mm hmm. I mean, and now granted, small sample-ish, 55 carries. Not, so, I mean, we're not talking about a huge amount, but it's not like he was totally unproductive. I mean, he had plenty of productive runs. I mean, AFC <laughs> Championship game screen, yeah. massive play, massive play that, I, you know, that he showed a, a burst that I don't know that people realize that he has that. He's a he's a really good athlete. And um, so it's, it's not – it's not like he doesn't have value. This this conversation is not to crap on Samaj P. Ryan at all. Um, and that's why I think it's going to be – it would take a lot for Chris Evans to overcome him. Uh, but that's, that said, I, I'm going um, to – I'm going to – I'm going to boot Burrow. I mean, I, I think that Burrow will run, but I, I think both guys will end up getting carries. First of all, I don't – I just don't see health doing that again. Running back position, I just don't see ever all P. Ryan and Mixon or all three of them staying healthy throughout the course of an entire season. I just don't see it. 
Um, so for that fact, I'm gonna boot Burrow. I will. I'm gonna run. Yeah, I'm still gonna run with P Ryan because I do think they still. I think they still feature him a little bit in in some short yardage stuff. Uh, and and I think that you know I think Evans will be involved. I do think he'll be involved more. I do think his role will expand. Um, so I'll I'll go with that on that. All right, let's just take a quick break. Let's talk a little bit about the safety position, Jay. Um, we've got Von Bell and Dax Hill back there right now. Uh, mm. Jesse Bates still away. Now the lone uh, unsigned franchise tag player, as Orlando Brown reported to Kansas City. It was him and Bates were the only two. Brown saying he thought it was important for him to be there when the pads come on. And again, no real updates on Bates. Um, hasn't hasn't shown up yet. Doesn't have to. Not under contract. So, um, but you know, there's still the same expectations we talked about last week that he'll be here at some point uh, during probably towards the end of camp. Um, and so, Dax Hill, um, what do you think? I've been impressed. He hasn't, there haven't been those, oh, he's a rookie play. We're totally lost. And and just talking to him in the locker room, watching him on the field, he just, he he kind of, he kind of reminds you of, of Jesse Bates as a rookie. It just didn't come in, not cocky, I'm the man type of thing, but just has this quiet confidence about, very mature um, player. Mm-hmm. Um, and, I, I think that that leads to, to to you having a or getting a faster start in camp because you 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 feel like you belong you you you're thrown in right away as a starter and he is everybody around him has talked about how he has really picked up the the defense very quickly he asked the right questions um he always seems to be in the right spot and he's taking charge out there he's 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 hollering out stuff he's not that kind of quiet timid rookie voice and i i i think i said it last week on the i i don't remember a big splash play you know a big pbu or pick or anything like that but the, the coverage has been strong and he's he's always in the right spot um so this what are we a, a little over a week into camp or well, no tomorrow will be a week i mean yes it's it's been a good start you kind of waiting you're kind of waiting for those those splash plays to happen but it that's not a knock that they haven't it it, it could be a positive that he's always in the right spot the coverage is there and Brandon Allen's going another direction. He's in, we have seen a lot of Brandon Allen checkdowns because it's not just Dax Hill. It's that whole secondary has really been doing a good job on the, on the receivers. So I've, I've been impressed with Dax Hill, uh, through, through one week of, of pack practice, but even going back to OTAs, he just, he is, he's always looked like he belongs. I would agree. I think his maturity shows, um, yeah. and, and it does, it just, he is, he seems in control. He definitely doesn't seem overwhelmed. He 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 looks the part, and you're right. I mean, isn't it about back there working together, working as a group? And as a group, I mean, they've been good. And it, it's hard not to have the asterisks because there's no Burrow. You know, you've got it's 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 not Burrow trying to look off the safety. It's <laughs> Brandon Allen and Kurt Browning, Drew Plitt. You know, but you know, it's like 
it's a little different back there. That said, um, I think the secondary has been really good, and and I think Vaughn has looked good. Vaughn's had a pick. Brandon Allen threw the ball right to him, but it was a nice play. Um, Davis Gaither had a pick. Brandon Allen threw the ball right to him. I think it was a nice play, but he, it, again, so like we do this in camp, right? We have risers. Okay, yeah. we'll do it. <laughs> Everyone does it, right? Just because Brandon Allen throws the ball right at you doesn't mean you're a riser. Okay. That said, if people have made these safeties have con- the consistency, forget making a play, the consistency of the defense winning and not leaving a bunch of dudes open running free. And those are, you know, TB, dudes, uh, Jamar Chase. It's happened. They've had their moments, but it hasn't been wide open and down the field. And and I think when you got Dax Hill in the middle of it, that speaks well for him and their ability to just keep functioning, keep playing. And you know, Zach Taylor, we talked yesterday about man, these reps for Dax Hill have just been invaluable. He learned so much every time he's out there. You always hear Lou Anarumo behind him. Like you can lose because it's right in front of him. And you can, and and Lou, you can see it. he'll be yelling stuff to Dax. You know, be patient. You know, drive on the ball. Whatever, whatever it is, you you hear him addressing, and then talking to him after plays. There's a lot of individual discussions between Lou and Dax because when you have the other guys there, I mean, the, the other guys in the secondary, Cheeto and Hilton and Eli App, these guys are vets. They've been they've been in this system. They they've been in this league. They know what they're doing, which brings us to Von Bell, Jay. We talked about this um, a little while back. This young group, Dax Hill, Tyson Anderson, really anybody that's in the secondary, it's young right now, will be talking about Von Bell when they're 10-year veterans, mm-hmm. about the guy that showed them how to be a pro that showed him how to do it. You hear this from people all the time. Like you, anybody that's been around for a while, they talk about the guys that taught them the way to do it. And that's where they got their work ethic from, from and learned how to really be a great professional from some guy who did it the right way in their room. You cannot ask for a better guy than Von Bell. And I, I'm so pumped that you're writing about this because I just think it's really the undertold story because we've all been screaming jesse bates i got takes right <laughs> i have so many jesse bates takes the the you know, underlying thing is these young guys have the perfect person to be showing them how to do it in that room with von bell yeah i i, I sat down with von yesterday and i asked him about that i uh, i was asking him if he and we'll hear this later if he had any stories uh, about where they kind of exemplify who he is as a leader. And he brought one up. And then at, right at the end of that, he's like, you know, I played with Drew Brees. And, and he just started rattling off, like you said, all these guys that taught him how to be a pro. And it was kind of unprovoked in that in that manner. And it is. I also asked him, is this the youngest safety room you've ever been a part of? And he said, yeah. And that, I mean... That that is a big deal to have a guy like that. And the whole reason I wanted to to write this story is we see what a leader he is. And I just I thought it was so unique in 2020 where Joe Burrow and and, and Von Bell were both captains. And Joe Burrow is a rookie that's never played a game in this league and he's a captain. And Von Bell's a newcomer on the team. And he's voted yeah. a captain. And I was like, wow, that is that's pretty amazing. So then when I was looking, I was trying to look at his journey as a leader and a captain. Never a captain at Ohio State, 
never a captain with the Saints. The first time he was ever a captain was a couple months after he stepped in the building here. Um, and it's just it, that that's what the kind of the focus of the story is going to be is his progression as a leader and, and what other people see in him, what he sees in himself. And it is a huge deal because it was, it was unique last year with Jesse Bates and Von Bell. You got two guys from the same position group, um, that are, that are in that leadership role. And now with Jesse not here, I asked Von, does he feel like he has to take more on his shoulders? And it was, it was kind of interesting. He said no, because Jesse's still around. He's still here in spirit. He's, he, he, he basically sounded like we all sound like he's going to be here eventually. He He's mm-hmm. still a part of this, even though he's not here in person. So, um, he doesn't feel like he needs to take more on his shoulders in that regard, but he is in these meetings and on the field with these two rookies and, 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 you know, the, the other, the undraft Trayvon Henderson hasn't played. He's an older guy, but he hasn't played a lot in this league. Um, so that his role is, is very important. And, you know, I asked Dax Hill about it and he said, you know, he, Dax Hill asked a lot of questions in a meeting room. And he said, every time he asked safeties coach, Rob Livingston, a question and Rob answers it. Von Bell adds something. And he's like, it's it's not just a reinforcement thing. It's just a little more detail added. And 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 Von said Rob's very detailed, but it's just it it hits a guy different when it comes from somebody who is who's gone through the wars and play has played in the league and um that that's and why who he you're going to be it. next to. And you're going to be next. So you have to communicate <laughs> and it, it, yeah, it might extend the meeting a little to, to always be adding that extra comment or two, but it's going to pay off in the long run. And it's just Vaughn is, is a very, very interesting guy. And he's, he's very humble. It is kind of hard to get him to open up about why he's a good leader, but um, he did, he, he got comfortable and God bless him because I asked him earlier last week if we could do this, and he said, "Yeah." And then I think I kind of caught him by surprise. I think he forgot he had a he had a carry out container of food. And he's like, "No, let's do it." So his food's sitting there getting cold while we're talking wow. for fifteen twenty minutes. <laughs> um, and he was not rushing the interview at all. He was very patient. He was very engaging, and um, I just uh, it was it was a good experience to to sit down with him and kind of it what we've been dying for for the last few years to actually get FaceTime with these guys and kind of find out more what makes them tick instead of just watching them on zoom kind of doing more coach speak. Yeah. You know what? The lunch thing is funny because uh, (laughs) we were laughing. Me and uh, Richard Skinner were laughing about this because uh, Mike Hilton is like the nicest guy. I mean, you've, you've probably heard him. He's been on, on all kinds of stuff and he's all, he's very uh, a presence, media presence because he he's happy. He never says no to anybody, and it's just a, such a nice guy. And uh, uh, Skinny was just trying to do a quick story on the rings when the ring they got their mm. AC championship rings, it's, and Mike had a little plate of his lunch. He was getting ready to eat, and Skinny was like, I, "I'm not going to take much of your time. I just I'm doing something on the rings, and I didn't know what you thought of it or whatever, and I'll get out of your way." And he's like, oh, yeah, sure, just a quick second. And so he does it, and by the time he finishes his second answer, which was no more than a minute or so, the swarm of all the media that was there descends on Mike Hilton, and he's there talking for 20 minutes, and and this whole time his little lunch is just sitting there on the stool getting cold right in front of him. You know, no good deed goes unpunished. You know, it's just like, oh. And he's just, just, you know, but that's been cool. 
it's not cool to see these guys not get to eat their lunch, but like I just do think little examples like that go to show a little bit more of of how conscientious the, a lot of these guys are, and it's just a good, just a good group of of of, of dudes, and um, and you kind of learn that more just by just by being around and seeing stuff that happens, you know. And it's not like they're out twelve dollars for their lunch either. They can just walk no. right back into the dining room and get, get a more fresh thing, hot one. And yeah. Get a hot yes, exactly. But it is. <laughs> it's because it's their time. They, they 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 spend a lot of hours in the building during training camp, and that that time that the locker rooms open to the media is kind of their it's their lunch break. It's their free time. And if they wanted mm-hmm. to, they could go hang out, and a lot of them do hang out in the dining room where we are not allowed. But the guys that that bring the food back into the locker room, I think they they kind of understand what it is and they know that they can be approached and they are. Um, I have not had a player say no. I mean, I've seen the mixing thing where the people go over and he has said no, but when I've walked up to a guy one-on-one, I've not had anybody say no, no. not right now. They've been great. Yeah, I know. It's been great being back in there for sure. Um, all right. With uh, all this said, let's, let's hear from Vaughn Bell, right? Let's, uh, you know, hear from Jay, your, your interview that you did with Vaughn and, and a little bit of what he had to say about leadership and a, a number of other good things. Here's, uh, here's Jay with Vaughn Bell. I'm just fascinated by this fact that you, you, you were never a captain at Ohio State or at New Orleans, and then you come here first year and you're voted a captain. I mean, that doesn't happen very often. Um, you remember that? feeling of when they told you? I mean, what, what did that mean to you? Um, you know, it grew over the years. I was fortunate enough to got to play with a lot of great guys and um, great vets coming into the league and just learning off them, just really just really collecting their, their knowledge and their habits along the way and put it towards mine, my work habits. And um, uh, But getting voted that, uh, it's an outstanding, outstanding accomplishment between your peers and um, the coaching staff, what they view you as. Hmm. So it's just um, hats off to them. I view me as that as a leader and as a voice, and uh, people listen. So it's a huge um, honor. Um, so it's a speechless moment. You said you grew as a leader. Was, was it ever a goal? Did you say one day I want to be a team captain, or is it something that just kind of... Oh, I've always been awful, though. I always spoke my mind. Yeah. So, it is a good focus on that. So, you're wondering if it was ever going to happen, or did you have no, I just, I'm not here for that. I'm yeah. here to play, I'm to play football. I'm the best brand of football. If it happens, it happens. So, I'm be a leader regardless. Do you have, I don't know, an example, a story that, that kind of exemplifies who you are as a leader, something that maybe you did or told someone that, that resonated that they, they thanked you for later? It's, it's a lot of stories, man. Oh, yeah. A lot of stories. And I just told somebody, this place by the call. I said, go make it. And they were like, they looked at me. They was like, how you see that? <laughs> like, bro, just trust me. <laughs> <laughs> and they made the play, man. They was like, man, BB, I appreciate you. I remember they got a game ball after that. That was a big stop. It was a big, it was a big momentum change, big play. It was a, it was probably one of the keys to win that game. And it's, they always, uh, ever since then, they was like, man, I'm listening to Coach B. They call me Coach B. <laughs> it's like, he's like a prophet. <laughs> but it's like, uh, it's- right, I, I, I know you're busy. You want to eat. I get one last question. It's not really leadership related, but the, the, the interception against Mahomes in overtime in the championship game, where, where does that rank in great moments in your life? It's up there now because you get to go to the bowl after that. Yeah. It's up there now. We still got many more to go. Yeah. 
Many more bowls, yeah, many, many more, more picks, many, many more wins. Yeah. What are you talking about? All of that. <laughs> yeah. All of that. We, we got to finish the job, man. But, you know, uh, Coach Luke called a, a heck of a call right there. He, he already knew what was going on. He's seen how the, the game flow was going mm-hmm. and what concepts we were getting. So he got us in the perfect call. And, um, you know, Jesse made the play out the middle of the field, just catching it and securing it and uh, giving it back to the offense and walk off field goal for shooter <laughs> and um so that was a great um oh i could say um team team football yeah. right there so it was it was good it was good i, I lied because i'd be remiss if i didn't ask you about jesse not being here do, do you feel like you have to be even more of a leader with with one of the voices in the room one of the voices on the team not here at the moment um uh his presence, you know, is, is still in the spirit. Yeah. You know, it's, uh, so he always, you know, I get talk to him all the time. And just, he always want to go, ahead, go out here and ball or go out of the situation. You know, everything will work out, it's going to work mm-hmm. out. Um, but, um, it's, you know, his presence is still here. <laughs> Great to hear from Vaughn. Good stuff there. And, uh, again, there are a lot, lot more uh, in the story, so look for that this week. Jay's story on on Von Bell in the safety room. Great stuff. Uh, and while we're waiting on Mo to come in here, let's uh, let's jump into some questions. Got a question about Hayden Hurst. Excitement level for Hurst. Been hearing good things from everyone. Is this just because it's training camp and everything's exciting, or does Hurst actually take this offense to the next level? I got a thought on this. What's yours, Jay? Well, I think he will take it to the next level. I don't know that we've seen it yet. He, he, I haven't, I haven't seen him really targeted on some longer passes up the seam where you expect him to really be a factor. Uh, he's been very active because, as I mentioned before, there have been a lot of checkdowns and a lot of time he's that safety valve where he's the guy that gets the dump off pass and he's made the plays. He's he's they a lot of them have been contested. He's got very strong hands and he he makes the plays, but we haven't quite seen how he's going to open this offense. And again, there's only so many targets to go around. I, I think he can be a big, a big weapon, but I don't know if you're talking fantasy numbers, I don't know how much of an impact he's going to have because all the passes are going to be going to those other guys, but he's going to have his moments. Yeah. I mean, I, I think what you're waiting, he definitely has, has looked very athletic. He's made some nice catches. I mean, he's, He's got that. You're waiting to see the one where he opens it up down the seam yep. or runs leak back across or something like that. Uh, you know, whatever it is, you're kind of waiting for that. We haven't seen that yet. So I'm I'm curious to see when we'll see something like that. But I mean, he's certainly up to the billing. He certainly brings just as much uh, in the passing game as you saw from CJ Uzama in a different way. So I do think there's a little bit of it's training camp and everything's exciting, especially the new players. Um, you know, it's we you can't really make judgments again. They haven't even had the pads on yet. So um, yeah, I think you can you can see how he could have an impact, but I think you could see how he could have an impact just having watched his tape from the last yeah. few years and 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 the way that he plays. So um, I, I think it's good, but uh, I don't think it's been anything overwhelming. It's been solid. It's been what you expected to see, and uh, there's a few things you still want to see. So uh, let's go. This one from uh, at Nicole Cushing. Uh, I like to root for the underdog. Are there any players right on the cusp of making the roster who might surprise us by winning a job? What do you think, Jay? 
Well, I mean, I'm going to sound like a broken record, but I still think it's Kwame Lasseter, the the undrafted yeah. wide receiver out of Kansas. He just looks the part. He had another really nice catch yesterday, and he was the intended target on Delonte Hood's interception that that we had in the the observations from camp when the the all the starters went crazy. They came. It was it was like the Jesse Bates interception in the Super Bowl where everybody came running off the mm-hmm. sideline when they weren't supposed to be. Um, yeah, and nobody wearing socks and no slides. No socks and this slides. Time. No no penalty <laughs> flags. But they they erupted. It was like it was a game winning play. And they let they they root for these guys too. Um, not saying that Delonte Hood is a, a guy that's going to be possibly cracking this roster. That was essentially threes on threes. But uh, Kwame is a guy that. You know, Darren Simmons said at the pre-camp luncheon that he's told those those guys, those undrafted guys that Puka, that winning the punt return job is how you're going to make this roster. I don't necessarily buy that with Kwame Lasseter. I think he can make it as a wide receiver. I think he can be a top six wide receiver on this team. Um, and, and then it, just a benefit that he can return punts. Um, I, I wouldn't I, I still think Trent Taylor is is going to be the guy that, that wins that job. Just it's more of a trust thing. Um, Darren's not necessarily interested in explosion. He said over and over the most important job of the punt returner is to get up and hand the ball to the official which kind of is a, a reference to Darius Phillips and the two fumbles in the 49ers game kickoff return. I, I Kwame's been in the mix there too, but I think that's Chris Evans job to lose. Um, but I do, I, from what we've seen from Kwame as a receiver, I, I really do think he can make this as an undrafted guy. That's a good one. I, I'm i going to pull from way out of left field here, Jay, just because I, I don't, I, I just have a, a gut feeling because the guy looks the part and I think there's an avenue at this position. Can I guess? Yeah, I guess. 52? Noah Spence? No, no, no Spence. No Spence ain't making this team. <laughs> he looks the part. He looks he the does, part. He does look the part. He's not making this team. Uh, and I apologize to him because I don't. I'm not totally sure on the perfect pronunciation of his name. Tarquarius Tisdale. Man. Okay, he's out of he's out of Ole Miss. Um, he's. 6'5", 285, and he's big. I mean, and they are, they have searched for this body type. They keep collecting these guys, okay? <laughs> they clearly want this. I, I don't, again, the pads haven't come on. So judging a guy who's a hybrid, um, you know, three technique, four eye, whatever you want to call that spot, edge, middle guy in, the, in that three, four standup, it, it, you know, we don't we don't know, but I do know this. They want that, and he's going to have plenty of reps in the preseason, and he looks the part, and he played in the SEC. I, I, again, he's undrafted, so it's a long run. It's a long shot. He may be the first guy cut, uh, but I just, you know, from what you – he's he, he just seems to be holding himself up, looking the part, and I'm curious to see what he looks like when the pads come on and when he gets a load of reps in the preseason. That's all mm. I'm saying. Way out of left field, people are looking for for those types of guys right now. Maybe, so maybe it doesn't fit this question because you're looking for right on the cusp. Uh, but I, I, I just want to put that name out there just for now, just as well. I like that. I mean, that you're right. That's they've the, They want the, it. They want that spot. Yeah, they brought in a bunch of dudes to try to battle it out. I mean, the most prominent being Zach uh, Carter. I mean, right. that's, 
that's who they who's gonna get it, but he needs a backup. Mm-hmm. Right? I mean, and and so there's definitely a chance that um you could see somebody emerge uh in, in the preseason and he'll certainly have plenty of opportunities. Uh I'll pull a YouTube question out here. Um is is Thad Moss the favorite to win tight end three from Nick Dunlap? No. I just don't think he gives you anything on special teams, and that's what you really you, you well, need. He, I mean, he'd, be, he'd need to win tight end four. I, I don't know. I'm just saying, Mitch Wilcox, I feel like just he made a, a lot of fans, uh, namely Darren Simmons, last mm. year as a reliable special teamer. So he's the three. So are they going to keep four tight ends? I I don't see I don't see Thad Moss anything other than a practice squad guy, right? I mean, yeah, yeah I mean he hasn't he hasn't flashed offensively either. Um, so that in Mitch Wilcox, the the special teams part is, is thing is a big part of it. And we did see him get dinged. He missed a couple practices, but he was back out there yesterday. Um, so I, I think Thad Moss has a big, uh, in, barring an injury. No, I don't think he's going to be tight end three, but. He he's got a guy with tools that I could see sticking around on the practice squad one more year. We brought Mo in to talk about Mitch Wilcox. <laughs> I I'm ready for the Tickarius Tisdale <laughs> yeah. conversation. That's right. That's right. Yeah, I'm gonna look real dumb when he gets cut first. <laughs> Just saying, he looks big. Looks big sure. and strong. Yeah, it's important. Uh, how are you doing? I'm wonderful. What's going on? No, not too much. We're just uh, talking a little bit about uh, the Cincinnati Bengals football team that mm. you uh, you might be familiar with. Uh, Jay, did we count up any tweets this week? I did. I do believe new career high. What? I have, I have really? not. I have not kept a running total, but I had one seventy three. You know, I've, I've been trying to ramp up as we get set and get closer to the season, and maybe I've peaked a little bit too soon. Well, what I count t- tweets and replies, oh, so okay. I, I think you were very engaged with your followers with with a lot of replies this week. So that, I think that helped get it get it up that there. Made everybody's day. <laughs> what does that mean? What, what what were you engaging in? I don't well, he know. Just, um, people ask questions and he answers. It, you know, oh, he'll no, tweet I, something I didn't know old... if there was a uh, hot topic. There's always a hot no. topic, I guess. But. No, there was nothing important. <clears throat> Folks had questions. I had answers and the time to give them, which is rare. So, yes. <laughs> New career high. I'm happy. Congratulations. Um, I, I want to start with um, what do you when you when you look at what are you most interested in? That is there anything that you're interested in coming out of camp? <laughs> and I and I don't mean that in a demeaning way. I just mean like, do you do you find any of this interesting? Do you want me to give you the honest answer? Yes. No. Yeah. No. no. I. I mean, no. not really. Okay. Um, I mean, it's only how we're spending should, our lives. Yeah, the, the team should be pretty good. Um, the guys, the 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 guys who um matter most need to stay healthy there's not a lot of really interesting top of the depth chart battles obviously there is a left guard situation to play out i mean 
you know, I found everybody's um, appendectomy diagnosis interesting. You know, everybody's yeah. sort of commenting on, well, I had that and I was back to work three days later. I was in my bowling league or I won a cornhole tournament. Um, <laughs> after having an appendectomy, I found that to be sort of interesting. And, and, and the way that they, you know, when games start to happen, the way that they deploy playing time, um, and you know, Dax Hill sliding into Jesse Bates role. But I mean, do, do I find a lot of the, the real sort of, um, nuts and bolts of determining who's going to be in the bottom end of the roster? Interesting. Uh, no, <laughs> <laughs> be honest with you. And, and I, you know, I'll find the games at least somewhat interesting, but I, I just I just want them to have the healthiest possible team on the 11th of September when the Steelers come to town. And and anything that gets in the way of that, I'm not a fan of. And anything that has nothing to do with that, frankly, doesn't doesn't concern me too much. Yeah. Hey, do you plan to take in a practice? They're all while I'm on the air. I wanted to. Yeah. I badly wanted to come on Saturday, uh, and and just couldn't make it happen. But yeah, they're to the best of my knowledge, they're all two fifteen in the afternoon. We're on the air at three o'clock, and this has been a weird August because there's there's typically like a week where Lance McAllister takes off and he works mm. at night, and so I can get down there. So no, I, I actually do love uh, when I've had the chance, and it's been a while. I do love going to practice. Um, I, I always go out to higher ground and, and watch the Bearcats practice a few times. And I, I love that. I love watching that. But if you're not there, um, nothing at all against the work that you guys do in covering what's going on. But uh, the just sort of watching camp battles unfold from afar, it, there's there's never really any good news. I mean, the, the only real dispatches from camp, I guess, aside from Joe Burrow showing up uh, on a golf cart, the, the only real dispatches from camp that matter are uh, injuries. And so, you know, that's such a big thing for this team. You know, are they going to be as healthy as they were last year? Um, cause this whole thing gets derailed if they start missing a bunch of dudes, but no, I, I'd love to, to get a chance. I don't know that my schedule will allow cause I'm, I'm so busy. Uh, but I do <laughs> love watching practice. Um, I, I liked it a lot more when they actually played football during practice, but I also understand why they don't. And I don't want them to, because I want everybody to be healthy. Okay. So on that note, uh, my what I want to ask is, do you have any worries? And I think I think this is a new world of the NFL where this is just part of it uh, now. But do you have any worries about the idea of, of maybe in a feeling within the team that they can just flip the switch week one? Right, you're just going to show up, you're going to flip the switch, and they're going to be great again because just because of we've seen. Such little done and and just kind of <laughs> you know just that kind of, and I think anybody that played like they did at that high level at the end of last season, thinking that we've got these stars, we're going to go out there and we're just going to. Do you worry about the pitfalls of that type of attitude creeping in? There does seem to be a weird, you know, let's just show up week one and you're right, flip the switch and. You know, just just keep this thing going, pick up where we left off and do even better, specifically from an offensive standpoint. Um, <clears throat> I guess that's a legitimate concern. You know, I guess that's a legitimate concern. I guess not so much based on the what they didn't do during OTAs and whatever minicamp was and here during training camp, but it's just it's 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 hard, it's hard to win. And and I do feel like among a lot of fans, there's just a sense of Oh, bringing the band back together, 
Burroughs in his third year, better offensive line. This is just automatically going to work. I mean, last year's regular season was really a slog. I mean, they played in a ton of close games. There were a couple of times during the regular season where it felt like it was on the the brink of 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 going sideways a little bit. And so I, I do think to a degree, as much as I think this team has a chance to be really, really good, we are, many of us on the more optimistic side are just sort of assuming that, yeah, week one, they'll flip the switch. They'll play a Pittsburgh team that offensively is not going to be that good. They have no idea who the quarterback is going to be. They're going to steamroll them. And I don't know. I don't know. I mean, if this team is as good as people like me hope, they're going to have to grind out close games. And yeah, you, you certainly hope that they, you know, have their share of blowouts. And we saw them last year, but um, the, 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 you know, the, the difference between being a 10 and seven team last season and being on the outside looking in was, was not that great. Uh, There's a handful of those games that could have gone uh, in the other direction. And so I, this team doesn't have the pedigree yet to be able to assume that, yeah, they're just going to show up. Um, just make sure everybody's healthy, make sure everybody's there week one and turn it on and go. I, I don't, I think that is a somewhat legitimate concern, but I also kind of defer to the personality of Joe Burrow and Paul, you and I talked about, you know, what was coming out of his mouth before everybody left for five weeks. It's go time. Let's go. And I, I sort of feel like his leadership abilities and just his raw talent mitigates that concern a little bit, but yeah, there, there is watching it from the outside, there is sort of a sense of, ah, you know what, just get through the next month. And then uh, that first game against Pittsburgh, uh, turn the key and this thing's going to go. Um, I, I, I do sense that. I don't know how much of a concern it is for most fans, but I, but I certainly do sense it. I mean, you've got a, a better sense of the, a better pulse of the, the fan base than, than probably most people <laughs> talking to them every day. If they lose that Pittsburgh game, how quickly does all this optimism and and here back to the Super Bowl and all these thoughts turn back to uh, same old Bengals? Here we go again, regression. That that talk is it? Is it the sky is falling if they lose that opener? Probably for many, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> sure, get lit because, up by Mitch Trubisky. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, yeah, it's Mitch Trubisky, or I guess it could be Kenny Pickett. And you're at home, and it's Week One, and you throttled them at home last year, and they come to your building and beat you. Um, you know, that would certainly you will have people who look at the off season and go, "Well, they shouldn't have taken the time after the Super Bowl off. This team read its own clippings, all that sort of stuff." Um, yeah, I mean, I, I, you know, look, we, <laughs> I, I think your average fan is going to go, all right, there's plenty of time to recover. It's week one, big deal, but there is a certain type of fan <clears throat> for whom the first sign of trouble or the first thing going wrong is going to mean that, uh, yeah, it's evidence that last season was a fluke and, uh, see Zach Taylor's not the guy and they screwed up by bringing these guys back, and they screwed up by not going that hard during training camp, that's that's going to be there. But that's, I mean, look, they could be, you know, coming off consecutive Super Bowl championships, and you would have people just looking for the first thing to to be concerned about. And I, I do understand that. And I do think it's going to be interesting to see how their offseason approach translates into preparedness uh, in the first few weeks of the season. But this is just a different era. And look what they did last year during the offseason paid off. They were the healthiest team going into the postseason. It's a huge reason why they went to the Super Bowl. And so there's at least some track record, successful track record to point to. 
this is how they handled the preparation for last year. And so they're putting a premium on health, putting a premium on making sure that as many of their key guys are available as possible. And uh, it worked last year. And so why are we to assume that it won't work this season if they lose that first game? Yes, there will be a lot of people for whom that uh, suddenly becomes not true. Um, I was going to ask you if you had any fresh CJ Uzama takes, but I'm not, I don't want to want to go back down that road. Not exactly. I'm not, I'm not doing that. What'd you do for <laughs> national? Oh, I, just, I just day? wish, I just wish, <laughs> I just wish he wouldn't have used the term low ball because yeah. what that does is it triggers tired old takes about this team that I think are drastically unfair. I don't think CJ, anything that he said was really wrong. I do feel like the uh, the amount of attention we pay to him is not proportionate to the caliber of player that he is, not that he was a bad player, but a tight end going into his third contract who caught 49 balls they don't want to break the bank for. That's not being cheap. It's not being cheap at all. And I, I said on, on Twitter, one of the 205 tweets I sent, uh, <laughs> you know, in 2018, he had five penalties and he had five career touchdowns. Uh, including that season. And they gave me 18 million bucks. It's not cheap. It just, they're ready to move on because he's not a star. Well, that's how a lot of NFL teams operate. The, the days, but the term low ball ignited a yeah. conversation about how cheap they are, which is just, I think drastically unfair. I would expect to see the term low ball maybe being used by a lot of 29 year olds in the Bengals organization going forward. I mean, that they mm -hmm. have shown every single time their philosophy is they are going to be happy to pay, often at a very high level, uh, either in free agency or your own guys, for guys who are 25, 26, in their prime. The days of paying the third contract to Gino and Carlos and doing the franchise tag with A.J. Green and, and paying guys who are in that third contract, 29, paying guys going to – the days of paying big money to do that, they're gone. They're, they're not going to do that. That's not a conducive way to have a good team. Uh, and so was it a low ball to C.J. Uzama? If that's how he wants to view it. But guys who are of that age are just not going to get overwhelming offers from this team. It's They've made it clear their philosophy. And, and how many of, you know, if you want to separate Bengals players into tiers – CJ is clearly not a tier one guy. <clears throat> Most would argue, many would argue at least he's not a tier two guy. How many of those like second, third level players that they allowed to get away suddenly morphed into stars? Now, Jesse Bates could change that conversation, but all of them sort of continued to play the way they did in Cincinnati, but they got paid much more to play the same way they did in Cincinnati. I, 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 but I, I, to me, it's it's a non thing if he doesn't use the term low ball because as soon as that went viral, it just triggers this tired trope of cheapness and frugality that I I felt the need to push back against last week. Yeah, and then the question of low ball is: w w Were the Jets and the Bengals the only two that offered, and he just the lowest one was low ball, or does he get it? Does he get a ton of offers, and, and the Bengals were the lowest of say seven or eight teams? Then maybe low ball is a more accurate description. But with, with CJ, you mentioned he, he was a, a good player. He wasn't a great player. His his greatest value was leadership and what he meant to that locker room. And the, the Bengals aren't lacking in that regard. They have a lot yeah. of leaders, and so it, it just it did the the. 
the double dip on the same day of Carlos and Gino, you can point to that as the turning point where the, the entire, it, it kind of started earlier when they, they let Andrew Whitworth walk, but what, when they signed those two guys and neither of them were really who they had been in the past and, and, and didn't play out the, those huge contracts, that's, you can point to that as the pivot point of, of the, the philosophy change for this organization. One last chance to talk about what you did for National Chili Dog Day. <laughs> I went to Skyline. Yeah, that's it. I, mean, I didn't know if there was like a, I wore my bucket hat. You wore your bucket uh, hat. Did you wear the bucket hat all day? Uh, I didn't wear it on the air because there's some difficulty in getting headphones around a hat okay. like that. My daughter has commandeered it. She has stolen it. It's oh. her hat now. She's informed <laughs> me. She wore it all weekend, so I'm not getting it back. But yeah, I, uh, I, I went to Skyline and uh, had some cheese conies. And then I, I did the radio show, and then I went back to Skyline and had some more cheese conies, and then I took some home. I, it was a double <laughs> double dip day for National Chili Dog Day. Yeah, I mean, sure. You know, you just you don't you, know, you got to go twice. So I yeah. So I did. It was a big big day in the uh, the Egger household. Just making sure. Just making sure. Yeah, I, no I, Holy Grail was tweeting at me and apparently offended that I had called it my mowing hat because uh, I guess they thought that was disrespectful to the Skyline Chili Bucket. I just think it's a it's a it's a good one for mowing. Was it didn't mean to be disrespectful? I apologize if it came off as a disrespectful notion. Yeah, I don't. I don't know that. I mean, I I have a, a bunch of mowing hats. I don't know that this one will be my mowing hat because I do sort of like that sort of built-in mowing stain mm. that is you know from sweat and just grime and stuff like that. And I, I don't know that I want that to accumulate on the skyline hat. But I mean, the beauty of a hat is there's no one way to wear it. There's no one venue to wear it. You might have you know people have pool hats. They have hats they go play golf in. They have hats they mow the lawn in. They have. Hats maybe for nicer occasions, hats they might wear to a game. And so however you categorize the Skyline Chili Bucket hat is, I think, up to you. That's a personal choice that I'm not sure anybody from the outside is is uh, qualified to comment on. And it's pretty versatile. I mean, it is. you could wear that to your wedding. Um, You Would could. You? I mean, I could have wore it to, to my second one. Uh, and maybe if I have a third, we'll see. But I hope I don't. <laughs> uh, I'll leave on that note. Uh, <laughs> Mo, uh, great to talk to you as always. And, I will and, see and, you Wednesday. I'll be, yeah, I mean, which one of you is writing the Tacarius Tisdale feature? Which when when it's going to have to be me. I'm the one, yeah. I'm the I'm the one that brought okay. him up. So I got to get in there. I'm gonna have to go meet him and find out how to properly pronounce his first name. I cannot wait. <laughs> first, very first thing, first question: How do you say your name? How do you say your name? That's where, that's where it starts. All right, later, Mo. <laughs> see you guys. Take see care. You. All right, that will uh, that'll about wrap us up here. We'll be back uh, later this week. Bengals are off Wednesday. They will then have practices Thursday and Friday off Saturday. So we're into the padded portion of the program, or judgment time, uh, finally here. Install is in. All the working on timing and, and knowing what to do is taken care of now. Go prove it. And we can start to judge what we're seeing out there. And so looking forward to doing a bunch of that, hopefully in sweeping ways that are totally ridiculous and make everybody try to judge people's entire careers off of one bad day at practice. So that's what we're out to do. That's what we do. That's what we do. Uh, all right. Thanks, everybody, for listening. And those of you that watched on YouTube, I uh, appreciate it. And uh, make sure you subscribe and like and all those things you're supposed to do on the YouTubes. So, uh, And uh, we will talk to you next time. 
Have a good one, everybody.